Baptist Bible Fellowship. Please welcome Steve Switzer. I couldn't think of a better way to start a Baptist meeting than to have a bunch of psyched up Catholics getting ready to play football, right? <laughs> it kind of helps me set the mood for what we're going to talk about tonight, but I was just thinking about that. Wouldn't that be a great way to do Sunday mornings, pastors? Wouldn't that be awesome, right? Your praise team smacking the sign, you know, the WWJD or the fighting Baptist sign as they walk out the door and all the, all the deacons and your pastors are smacking you on the butt, you know, and we're walking out the door together. I just, I mean, we go in our fight song, which, uh, well, that's, that's a whole other story. But we come out, that, that, what a wonderful way to start a service. Look at Pastor John, you know, and you say, oh, you ready, champ? He said, oh, I've been ready for this since Thursday, man. This is awesome, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to talk about that tonight, but I had to stop. I got to stop right there. I, I can't go any further without just saying something about how this week has been. Hallmark Baptist Church, you guys are awesome. Man, Pastor John, you and your team, you guys, you, you just outdid yourselves this week. Thank you for everything you did. Really appreciate it. Um, Hallmark, I see a lot of familiar faces out there. Some of you look a little older than you did last time, but that's a whole other story. Uh, Hallmark has a special place in my, my family's hearts. Uh, we served here for five years under Pastor Haley, and we have a lot of lifelong friends here. My, uh, my youngest daughter was born here. I uh, saw a lot of great things happen, and uh, Hallmark, you guys outdid yourselves this week. This is just phenomenal. I'm, I'm really proud to say I've been a part of Hallmark for all this time. Okay. Uh, those, those folks in the blue shirts, Preach the Word shirts, holy cow, you guys are awesome. You just rocked it this week. You just made us feel good. You just, everything, uh, and then the money yesterday for lunch. My, my associate went to every door, I think. He, he talked to 10 or 12. Man, he, he, is, he got his paycheck this week out of you guys. I appreciate that, man. It was fantastic. Uh, just, just great stuff. Uh, Texas Fellowship, thank you for lunch today. That was really, it was colder than, uh, it was Illinois cold today, but it was, it was great food. Thank you for that. And then the privilege of preaching tonight. Thank you, John. It was really an awesome, and what a, what a great lineup we've had all week. Just the things that we've heard. Uh, man, I was just recapping all the things that we, we've got tonight. Bruce and, and Michael, Monday night, what a way to kick things off. Wait, we had, uh, we had JP and, and John on Tuesday morning. Man, those guys were just phenomenal. Last night, Randy and Brian. And then, of course, we had the, the, the Saints of Old this morning. Uh, Jim, <laughs> Jim and John and, uh, and then Chad. What, what, a great, what a great way to start tonight. Um, so there's no pressure tonight uh, after all that that we've had, but I'm just very privileged to be here. And, and so I heard a story recently, actually some of you may have heard it, uh, the, the, old, the late uh, uh, Zig Ziglar tells a story, and it kind of makes me, helps me feel what I feel tonight, and I just want to share it with you. He told the story that uh, years ago, back when things were done a little bit differently, and whenever you do most of your grocery shopping in the local general store, he said that in the back of the store, there was always this big barrel that was open, and it was full of molasses, because molasses was used for a lot of cooking, a lot of different things. So you'd come in the store, and you'd have the store owner dip into that barrel and get as many, much molasses as you need for your, for your work and for whatever you needed. But it was also a great place for children, when they get away from their parents, to stick their hands inside that barrel and 
come out. It doesn't sound too sanitary, right? I think I'm glad things have changed, but that's what would happen. So that's what happened on this one day. This mom brought her son in there and was trying to keep an eye on him, but uh, he snuck away and sneaks back to the back of the store in the open barrel and sticks his hand all the way in there and brings it out, begins to lick off the molasses. But the store owner happened to be watching him that day. The store owner said, son, caught him, grabbed him by the seat of his pants and said, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Do you think that tastes good? He said, I'm going to stick your head inside that barrel of molasses and I'll see if I can teach you a lesson. Well, it didn't frighten the boy. In fact, as his eyes were looking wide open down and his head was just to go inside, about inside that barrel, he was heard to say this prayer. He said, Lord, please give me the tongue equal for this opportunity. <laughs> I prayed that before tonight on a, on a couple of occasions. To be honest, pastors, I pray that every Sunday in some form or fashion. God, give me the tongue to do what you're calling me to do. Because sometimes that's a little scary. Let's be honest. Sometimes we all feel that. And it's not just pastors and ministers. It's all of you that are here tonight that are serving in some capacity. There are some days when we just wonder if we're going to be able to do what God has called us to do. And that's what I want to talk to us about tonight. Some days we have those waves of inadequacy, as I call them, that kind of flood over us. Preach the word? Are you serious? Me? There ain't no way. No way I've got what it takes to do what you're calling me to do, God. Teach a class? Seriously? Share my faith? Make a difference in this community? Talk to a relative? Talk. I can't do this, God. I, have, I do not have what it takes to do what you, I can't do this. I don't know if you've had those days. <laughs> I think all of us have, but I feel like I've had a lot more of them in recent days than I did before. And it was just in a recent, a recent time, a recent day in my life, having one of those inadequacy moments, that God shared, or opened my eyes to a passage that I want to share with you tonight, Matthew chapter number 13. In Matthew chapter number 13, I, I, I hope, my prayer is tonight, that I can encourage you with some words that the Lord encouraged me with. Because I think what you're going to find is God will give us everything that we need to do what he's going to call us to do. And Matthew 13, verse 51 and verse 52, listen to what the Bible says as Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says this, Jesus said to them, have you understood all these things? Now I want to stop right there for a moment because it kind of puts me in the mood of where we've been. We're, we're all sitting here under the word of God tonight, but some of us have been here for a couple of days. And like I mentioned, we've listened to some great preaching. And so what you've got here is Jesus is, has been teaching them, and then he stops and he actually says, have you understood this? Literally it means, have you put all this together, guys? Have you connected the dots? Well, that's a question that I would have been asking myself as we're kind of wrapping up this week. I say, I've heard God speak to me, and it's like, have you understood this, Switzer? Have you connected the dots of what you need to do with what you've heard or what you need? Preachers, that's what we, every Sunday when we preach, we're hoping that someone's connecting those dots. Couldn't we take a survey on the way out? Have you understood all this, guys? Have you connected these dots? Because it's so important what we're about to hear. He goes on to say, have you understood all these things? And then he says, they said to him, yes, Lord. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. That's a very interesting response, isn't it? And they said, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. 
Now, this comparison, this simile here, this is what I want to, before we go into the context and kind of find out what it's about, let's talk about the comparison, first of all. Just that last thing that he says, let me re restate it again. He says, an instructed scribe, which we're going to talk about in a minute, is like a householder. That's a homeowner. Depending on your translation, it literally means the master of the house. He says, the one who, that, that master of the house, who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Now, let's stop on that word treasure for a moment. That word treasure is, is what we think, but it, it, it means, depending on where it's translated, it could mean the place where your treasures are kept, like the storehouse, the, the safe, the vault. It could mean the actual place in which those, those things are kept, the, the treasure house, if you would. Uh, but it also is translated to sometimes mean the actual treasure itself, the valuables that are kept inside there. That's why one translation puts it this way. I think it kind of puts it all together. He will bring out of his storerooms new treasures as well as old. Now, we can, we can relate to that in some ways, you think about it. With all of you here, you're living somewhere. So whether you rent or own, we all tend to store up treasures, some new, some old. My wife and I just recently moved. In the last month, we moved into a new house across town. And, man, it doesn't take long to accumulate a lot of junk, uh, treasures, does it, right? <laughs> we found in one of our attics a box that we had not opened since we moved from New York. Eight years, it was still taped. It still said heavy on the side. We hadn't even opened the crazy thing. My wife sometimes accuses me of hoarding. Honey, I'm not a hoarder. I'm a treasure keeper. I am, uh, these, are, these are treasures that we have, that, that, that we have been supplied. He, he's talking about here these treasures in this box, and he says the homeowner brings out of his storeroom these treasures. Now, some, one way you could look at this is bringing them out means that they put them on display. You have these treasures. It's kind of like when you go to someone's house, and they say, here, let me show you your, this china or these knickknacks that we got here, or let me show you my gun cabinet, right? You, you're showing these treasures that you might have. But the word that's used there is actually the word that means to cast out or to eject, to, to throw apart. So it seems to have more of a sense of the distribution rather than the display of these treasures. So let me just kind of wrap it up again. Let's read this one more time. The instructed scribe is like the head of a house who goes into his pantry full of resources, gathers from what he has, and then distributes what is needed to those that are in the house. He's saying whatever is needed for those people, the homeowner has it. It's in the resources. It's in the storehouse that he has. It's just taking care and getting what's needed to be done. See, I think this comparison was used by Jesus for his disciples to encourage them in what he was calling them to do, what they had already started to do, and to encourage them into what is going to be needed in the years, the days ahead for them. But boy, I, I think it's a great thing for us to, to get a hold of as well, of what God has in store for us to do what he has called us to do today and, and, and the days to come. It's, it's like, that it takes me back to where we started tonight, it, you know, you're grabbing the helmet. It's, it's almost like Jesus is saying to these guys, we got this, guys. You can do this. It, it is possible. It's a big job, but I'm going to supply what you need. We got this. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, we got this. Just tell them, we got this. Doesn't that feel good sometimes to know that what you're going to do when someone just says, you got this, this can happen. I, I think that's kind of the essence of what we're talking about, about this evening. So I want to walk through these verses a little bit, and I want us to, to learn a few things, some observations 
I think that we can grab from, from these verses, and, and I hope it will encourage you. But here's the first one that I, that I see as we walk through it. Number one is this. We are responsible for what we understand. Now, he asked him a question, do you understand this? But, but I want you to understand, he asked it in such a way that it adds this sense of urgency, this sense of responsibility. Let's look at it again. Jesus said to them, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, and what did they say? Yes, Lord. We, yes, Lord. We That's such an interesting bit of conversation as I think about it. Jesus asked them, uh, literally, have you put this together? Do you, do you understand this, guys? And the answer, I don't know if it does to you, but it kind of surprises me that they so quickly said, yes, Lord, we get this. I mean, according to, as far as we know, they've been with Jesus now a year and a half or so. Are these guys really saying, all right, Jesus, we got this handled, you know. Wait, sure, we, got, we understand what you're saying. We, we really got it all together. Is, is that what they're talking about? You know, it's, is this one of those things, I, I've heard, I don't know, I hope, hope it doesn't offend anyone, but uh, first-year co- Bible college students kind of come to mind when I think of this verse. All you passionate centers. Yeah, right? Or as we heard yesterday, maybe this is millennials that he's talking to, right? They know everything. In fact, they probably could teach Jesus a thing or two, that kind of an idea. Is that what they're talking about? Yes, Jesus, we got all this handled. We, we understand this. this is it, and if we don't hesitate, we understand what we're going through. Maybe what we have here is they're literally having an aha moment. The Spirit of God has revealed to them what Jesus, because Jesus actually told them. If you go back to verse number 11, of this verse, in verse number 12, he tells them that the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven had been given to them. So it was an aha. They had been taught something. Jesus was, show, was showing them that you have learned, you have made something. It is understood. Something had sunk in. But notice the very next words. Then he said to them, here's a very important word, therefore. Okay, guys, you understand this? Yes, Jesus, we get it. We under- Yes, the light bulb, aha. It, it's, it, he says, okay, therefore, based on what you say you understand, now you have a responsibility to do something with that knowledge. Therefore. Let, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's go in context and let's see kind of what the therefore is there for. The immediate things that they understood. If we were to go back and look over this whole chapter, Matthew chapter 13, it's actually a series of parables. If you've ever taught through this, many of you are familiar with what it is. It, uh, the parables of the kingdom. Uh, several parables, seven, excuse me, parables come before verse 51. The first four are spoken to the multitudes. The last three, we, we see that they, he actually pulls the disciples together. They come just he, he and, his, and his guys. Three of the seven, Jesus explains uh, their meaning to the, to the people. He, he actually takes it a little deeper and says, and this is what I meant by this, and this is what I meant. Uh, but four of them, he, he kind of leaves it, it, leaves it where it is. All but one of the parables includes the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. So six of the seven include that. He's illustrating so features and, and things about the kingdom and the value of the kingdom of God. It starts with the very famous parable of the sower and the seed, talking about the response to the message and what God has for them. As you walk through this, let me just throw out some of the themes that you'll see that kind of weave their way through these parables. He, he's talking about the fact that there is a, in this kingdom now that we live in, you're going to see both good and evil. You're going to see both of them coming side by side, and, and ultimately there's coming an end. There's a harvest. There's an end of the age. He shows value in several of the parables. He, he actually refers to the kingdom like a, a pearl of great price. Talks about a hundredfold harvest. 
In fact, in verse 44, he actually says, he, he refers to as a hidden treasure. It's interesting, that's the same word treasure that's found in verse 52. This idea, there's something beautiful, there's something valuable about this kingdom. And of course, there's an ominous theme that weaved its way through here, that the future glory of the kingdom will not be enjoyed by everyone. The parable right before talks about a dragnet of fish. Some of them are kept. Some of them are thrown into the fire where there's gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things, guys? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand how important this, all this truth is? Do you understand the value of the kingdom of God that we serve under? Do you understand the reality of eternity? And do you understand the precarious nature of those who don't follow God? Do you understand all this? I think this actual train of thought, in my opinion, goes back to chapter 9, verse 36, where Jesus talks about a harvest that's great, but the laborers are few. Pray for the harvest, and then five verses later, what happens? Jesus sends those very guys out into the harvest, sends them out, and then he begins to train them. So I don't think any of this is lost on the fact, okay, guys, you've seen it, you've been working in it, do you understand it? Because if you understand it, therefore, you're going to have to do something about it. If we understand what we teach, we understand what we've been living and what we've been saying and what we've been teaching, I know this, but now that you know it, we, you've got to be conduits of it. You've got to take what you know and share it with others. We're, we're not immune to that. We understand it as, as part of the church, as pastors, as leaders. We understand that, that we are responsible for what we know. So my, my challenge is just to, to think back. Do we really get this? Do we really understand all of these things that we've just talked about, the value of the kingdom and eternity and all that? And if so, now what are we going to do with that? Very interesting in my personal opinion. As I was studying this, I made a note in my journal as I was studying this very, I had it on my desk, I was reading through this, and I got one of those phone calls. Got a phone call from a young lady, actually from an EMT worker, who said a young lady just that's in our church just went home and found her mother dead. And suddenly, it's all real, isn't it, folks? I understand it. Sometimes he makes it just vividly clear in my mind. But if I understand it, therefore, I have responsibility to do something with it. We are responsible for what we, what we understand. But let's keep on walking. Here's something else I, I saw in this passage. We are also expected to grow in that understanding. Okay, so let, let's look at the parable again. He says, so here's what you are like, guys. Homo, you, you disciples, he, he begins to describe them, and he, he gives them these titles. Look at this. He says, therefore, every scribe, that's every uh, grammatus, all, all those, and by, by definition, it's the learner, it's a teacher, it's an interpreter of the law, the Old Testament. It was every teacher of the law, he says. Now, some of you might know that the scribes were originally those who would copy the Word of God. They would, we didn't have printers, we didn't have copiers, we didn't have our, our personal computers. We had guys that would take the word and copy it, right? That's, that's one of the original ideas of the scribes. But as you move towards the end of the Old Testament, these scribes also became the ones learned in the scriptures. Obviously, they were with the scriptures all the time, so they became uh, considered to be experts in the law. You'll probably remember uh, one by the name of Ezra. 
in the Old Testament who was referred to as a skilled scribe, expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord. So by the time, though, we get to the New Testament, the scribes don't have quite the same reputation for us, do they? Because they're always seen as scribes and Pharisees. Yeah. And they became some of the most adamant opposers of Jesus. And so what, he's, not, he's not referring to the ones that he's referring to that office, that, that ability. He said these, these learned, uh, those learned in the law, those instructed in, in understanding of the, those students and teachers of God's law. But then notice the next words he, he used. Not only are they scribes, teachers of the law, but they are instructed. The word instructed here is, it means teach, but you might recognize it from Matthew 28 and verse 19. It's the same word that we, in many translations, says make disciples. He says, so they're not only learned in studying and teaching the word of God, they're also now followers of Jesus. They're also now disciples of his. They're also now following in his footsteps. And look what he says. All of these instructed, every scribe who has become a disciple concerning the kingdom of heaven. So we have the disciples being referred to now. Jesus looking at them and saying, I, I see you as scribes. What a compliment. As those who have learned and who are learning the truth, but also now scribes who are followers, disciples of Jesus, who aren't just it's not just the word it's application of the word it's it's actually living and walking in the way that Jesus would walk and he said every one of you you're a prepared trained learner got Jesus is saying I've been training you fellas you're learned you're trained you're being disciples of mine and that's what's ironic isn't it because in Acts what did their enemies say these guys are just uneducated they're ignorant but they said but we can't get past their boldness and why because they have been with Jesus. They were disciples. They were learned. God, Jesus tells him, I'm referring to his scribes. You're, you're learned. You're, you're, you're learning it, and, but you're also disciples growing in it. But it's this idea that they had still so much to learn. We all know, as you keep reading, these guys didn't understand it all. It's a good chance they didn't understand what he just told them, but they did understand some things. They had a lot to learn. It's an ongoing process. So I just want to encourage us all, that's where we are right now. Yes, we are responsible for what we understand, but we need to constantly be growing in that understanding. And the, that, we, that we, everything that we have now, that we, we know we don't know it all, and so we continue to learn, we continue to grow. The Bible continues to be our, our textbook as well as following Jesus. Being a disciple becomes what we live for. It's the idea that we continue to grow, as Peter said, 2 Peter 3.18, to keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Continue to grow. You, you got this, guys, but you got to continue to grow. You got to continue to let God work in your life. Which leads me to one last thought, and that's this that we can be confident to speak from, under, from our understanding. This is what one of the things that God just encouraged me with this passage. Let's, let's read it again. Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven, that's you guys right here is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. I've discipled you. I've trained you. So that you go out and be laborers in my harvest. I, I've made it possible for you to know and to understand. And now this, but what, what he's saying is now you've got this storehouse. You've got this room. And from that you have what you need to dispense to do what you need to do. To take and to spread what God has, has put in their hearts to do. Jewish literature was known, many commentators say, that the storeroom referred to the heart 
So we're talking about the fact that these guys, he's saying your heart has been full, is full of incredible treasure. So be informed. Always train disciples. Prize your storeroom of treasures. And that's what I want us to talk about tonight. As followers of Christ, here's what I want you to get. You have a storeroom full of treasures that God has given you. God has called you to do something. He has then resourced you. You have got within you this storehouse, this, this room. Let me give you just a few. Start, you have right here, you have the word of God. You have the treasure of God's word that we know we can trust. We know is God's. It's inspired. We can trust it. You have the power of the resurrected Christ living in you. Is that not amazing? We have God's word. We have the resurrected Christ. We have hope. We have joy. We have peace. We have the fullness of the whole. We have the presence, the fullness of the spirit to be a part of who we are. We have a storeroom already jam-packed full of the resources to do what God has called us to do. But let me think of some others as we're going through this. I mean, we're talking not only scribes, but disciples. So in your walk with Jesus, you have this knowledge of the Word. You have some past events in your life that God has used. You've got things in your walk, in your journey, things that God has made alive, things that God has... Let me show you a passage, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. I want you to see how Paul kind of gives this idea. Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians 4, Starting at verse number five, he says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, Let light shine out of darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Wow, that's what we have through Christ. Now keep reading, he says, But we have this, what word? treasure. We have this treasure, as Jim put it today, in paper bags, in jars of clay. He has put this treasure within this, within this life to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have no, no room for pride. We can't, take a, we can't say we did any of this. It's all from God. But he has stuck his treasure inside this jar of clay. Inside this clay pot, there's a storeroom that God has given his revelation to. And from that, he says, I, I, I want to use you. I can, I can do something with that. We have memories of miracles that God has done throughout the scriptures, even in our lives. And, and, and here's what, boy, as I was thinking about this, this past couple of weeks, God has allowed me the, the opportunity to see some amazing things that I think he has put in a storeroom for me to use. Let me just think of some people in my life. You've met many of them this week. Pastor Mike Haley, mentor, friend, just a man of God who just has poured into my life. A guy by the name that you met this morning, by the name of John Arnold. I don't know if John's even still here. But I don't think he probably even remembers this. But about 15 years ago, when I was pastor in New York, I traveled to BBC for a trip, and he did a breakout session on prayer. Never heard of the man before, but I was, there were some things struggling in my life, and I sat through that session, and God just, he showed up in my heart that day. But I never got a chance to talk to John. I, he had to go, I, and, but I just, God moved in my heart. But I had to get on a plane to fly back to New York. And so I'm sitting in the airport in Kansas City, KCI Airport. I got about a five-hour wait. I'm sitting there, and who would show up but John Arnold, and his plane was delayed, and he sat right down next to me. And for the next two hours, that man poured into my life. 
and he probably doesn't even know my name, but God put that in my storehouse. I have been able to see and witness, I've been at first row seat of seeing God change some people's lives. Have you been there? That's a storeroom, folks, that we can pull from. You've met some of them tonight. That young man, Chad, that stood up here, I said, besides me, his parents are probably the most surprised that he was standing. No, I'm just kidding, Chad. <laughs> to be able to see what God is doing in his life and been there. We almost lost the poor dude in Arizona on a missions trip. I mean, that's a whole other story, but we've got, we go way back. I mean, we're talking. There, there's a young man by the name of Ryan in this room. And God took him from stealing TVs to preaching God's word in Kansas. And, and nothing we do, we just get to sit and watch it. Here, here's something. Jesus had his James and John. I had Michael and John <laughs> in my youth group. And they both are sons of thunder, and there's a whole lot of reasons for that. <laughs> and tonight, Pastor John Haley of this church, Pastor Michael Haley brought the heat on Monday night. That's part of what God says, dude, this, put this in your storehouse that I still change people's lives. Young couple of my name was Sean and Denise in New York. I still never forget Sean. Didn't even believe in God. Was actually adamant about it. Had a tattoo on his chest of the devil. The only reason I know that is because after he got saved, he said to me, Pastor, it just feels like I got the devil right here. I said, well, Sean, we're going to pray through that. He said, no, you don't understand. He ripped open his shirt, and there was the devil right on his chest. And I watched God change Sean and Denise's life, bring them to follow Jesus Christ, raise their girls to follow Jesus Christ. There's two young men back in our church now by the name of Nick and Eric. Within the last year, they both committed their lives to Jesus Christ. They're starting to lead their family. Folks, we, we, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Start thinking through those. That, put that in your storeroom. God still changes lives. So we're still doing something that works. Because God still works. Here's something else I know that goes in the storehouse of our lives. And that's the, uh, the struggles and the tragedies that we go through. Some of the things that, as 2 Corinthians says... I comfort you so you can comfort others. That becomes part of our storehouse. I was talking to my friend tonight, Phil, and uh, a couple years ago, when the big C becomes a part of your life that you've never seen before, that changes your perspective on a lot of things. I have a whole new meaning for people that, that, that go through those kind of things now because God, that's a part of a storehouse now that God uses. I'll be honest, it, I, I never, the way I did funerals changed when I sat and buried my father. My father's in heaven. I can't wait to see him again. But that was a tough day. But God put that in my storehouse. And now when I come along someone at a funeral, I pull from that storehouse and I say, I, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I can feel pain. That's a storehouse, guys. Storehouse ladies that God puts in our lives he has trained us. We're scribes. We keep learning and growing. We're disciples. We've been walking. And he puts within our lives these things that become now abilities for us to now help others. 
now to do what he's called us to do. I'm saying this, I know I'm preaching the choir, but I just had to remind myself of the fact that if God calls me, he's going to resource me to do it. In fact, it's probably already there. I can go into that storeroom like the master of the house and I can pull out what he knows I need to do what he has called me to do. Remember that credit card commercial? What's in your wallet? What's in your storehouse? What's God done in your life? What is he still doing? Are you still learning? Are you still growing? You got a storehouse of stuff that God wants to use to do what you know, what he knows that he needs you to do. We finish this up, and he says, out of that storeroom, they come treasures, both new and, and old. He says to bring them out, to scatter them abroad, literally is what it means. It's, I, I think that may even go back to the original parable, the sower and the seed. You take these things, you bring them out, you scatter them, you share them, you do with one of them. You, you make sure they get out so others can see them. You dispense it, you proclaim it, you preach it, you enthusiastically make sure you get that out of your storehouse and make sure other people can enjoy it. That's what, that's what God has given us this thing for. These guys, the old, would have been part of the Old Testament that they were familiar with. And they, but now Jesus is, it, it's not new truth. It's still the same truth, but it's now fresh. It's something, and that's what we have the opportunity every Sunday to stand up and share the same truth that hasn't changed since it's been written, but it's done in a fresh way. It's done new. It's something that's changed my life now. It's something that's changed in your life now. We have both new and old treasures. We can take and we can share. We can dispense. Wow, God has done some amazing things for us. <laughs> All this we can do with the confidence of what God has taught us. But, man, Tuesday when JP was talking about being vulnerable, I sit in that pew and I say, man, I, I don't like being vulnerable to people. Anybody else identify with that? But I have to say, in this particular point, there are days that I still, that inadequacy just, can't do this. The devil's chirping on this side, saying you're, you're not capable. You're inadequate. Forget about the storeroom. Maybe it's been some criticism. That happens. I don't know if you have. I, I think I have some people in the church that after, they had one of those, you know, they're, they're, they're rating my sermons, one to ten. You know, that was a four. You know, that was... Some of you are doing it right now, so don't laugh. <laughs> this is a fellowship meeting, let's be honest. Come on. Got you. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, but maybe it's, the criti maybe it's criticism we face it. Maybe it's doubt that someone's given us. Here's the one, and we have heard it several times this week, but it had to, be, it had to come to my head because I know that's one of the things I fight about or fight with, and that is comparing my storeroom to somebody else's. And I, I, I don't know if you had to do this for a while. I had to stop going to conferences and reading books just for a little while because every time I'd read it and I just got discouraged because I could never do that. I could, I'm not that smart. I, <laughs> when it comes to preaching, I've been working for months trying to get my leg up on a table like this. If you were at the fellowship meeting and Lonnie did, I've been trying to because there's just something about preachers, you know, and, and I, you compare... <laughs> I'm sorry, it was an inside joke. I just had to say it. <laughs> but here's what, it's almost like I'm saying, God, you haven't given me enough. You, you're blessing that, you filled that guy's storeroom, but my, and, and yet, as I just studied this, and I started looking, and I'm thinking, dude, I've got a storeroom full of things that God has given me. 
I don't have to compare it to somebody else. God has made me, he's put me where he wanted me to be, and he's given me the storeroom full of stuff to do what he's called me to do. But I've got to remember that. I've got to keep that in mind as I walk through this journey and not let that become something that holds me back from doing what God has called me to do. But here's the thing, in a real sense, we're all in this. I, this isn't just for pastors, career ministers, all of us. God has a call for you to do. And when he calls you, he's going to resource you. In fact, I'm challenging you tonight that he probably already has. He's already put that in there. And so as, a, as an instructed scribe and a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're like a master of a house that has a storeroom full of resources. And you say, God, I can't do this without you, but with your power taking what you've given me, we can do this. You've got this. You can do what God has called you to do. I, I want to end tonight. I, I just felt like this would be a great way to take everything we've heard. Our theme has been preach the word, obviously. So I want to go to a passage that we've heard in different ways all week. Second Timothy. I'm going to start in chapter 3. I'm going to read some familiar verses. And as I do, I... I want you to think through what we've talked about, the resources God has given you, the storehouse, and see how it starts right here, how Timothy is told by Paul. Verse 14 of chapter 3, he said, Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned. Keep learning, Timothy, and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them, and that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You've got this storeroom, Timothy, but he's not done. He said, because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. It's a treasure. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You have everything you need. God will equip you to do what you need to do. So then, chapter 4, verse 1, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Say the next three words with me, please. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. So here we sit. We've just heard the word. Some of you have heard the word in multiple ways over the last three days. Do you understand what we've heard? Have you put some things together? Has God connected some dots for you? If so, then let me encourage you. Let God renew your passion for that responsibility that he has set before us to do a job for Let God renew a desire to know him more, to walk closer with him. As Brother Arnold said today, to just be the best prayer that you can be. And let God renew your confidence that you can do what he's called you to do. That he will equip you, give you the resources. If you'll trust You've got what it takes to do what God's called you to do. The song says, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. Boy, what an incredible cry that we could give to God tonight. 
God, I just need you to do what you've called me to do. But God, confidently I believe you will give me what I need. So tonight I'm going to invite you just bow your heads with me. I want to pray for us as we wrap this up. Our musicians are going to sing that song for us. And I hope that you will sing it from your heart with us or just maybe this would be a great time to come and pray and say, God, thank you for the resources you've given me. God, I want to do what you've called me to do and I need you to help me do it. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for encouraging me through this passage and I, I pray that you've encouraged someone else tonight. Lord, it's not about me. It's not about what I know. It's about the storeroom you have richly supplied with so many things. And I pray, God, that I would depend on you, go to that storeroom, and let you do what you want to do through my life. Father, encourage this crowd tonight. Pastors, full-time workers, wives, Sunday school teachers, workers every day who come across people who need Jesus. Just give them the courage to say, I got what it takes to tell others. Give them the peace that they need. Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name.